0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Your Voice First Podcast. If you'd like to learn more, find us on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and every other social platform, at Voice First AI. Welcome back to Your Voice First Podcast. Today, we have Sheena Hansel, relationship coach with Relationship Hero, the number one relationship coaching service in the entire world. Whether you're dealing with friends, significant others, or any other relationships in your life, Relationship Hero is an amazing service to be able to talk one-on-one with an actual human coach to be able to work through those relationships. Sheena, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much, Patrick.
0: The topic we're gonna be talking about today is conversational intelligence. The reason I'm bringing you in for this is I've known you for years, uh, probably getting close if not already past half a decade.
1: Yeah, definitely past that.
0: And I know that you've had, your entire career has been built around having conversations and you being a very effective conversationalist. So I value your expertise, and the topic of conversational intelligence is very big. So I guess first question, for people who aren't already aware of Relationship Hero and what it's like to be a relationship coach there, would you mind giving kind of a high-level overview of what your day-to-day looks like or what a relationship coach does with relationship hero
1: absolutely so relationship hero is open to anybody who's willing to work on their own goals or themselves or, or just not really even sure what they want to do they can just tell that i need help with this i don't know what to do so a lot of our clients come to us after a breakup has happened so we've all been through breakups or you know have lost relationships for different reasons and we know how painful that is it's really overwhelming And most people's goals are, I want to get this person back. And as we know, that can be very challenging to do, depending on what's happened you know, there's fights and arguments and things that have probably been said that's going to have a lot of hurt feelings. And, you know, that leaves a lot of guilt there and people don't know how to kind of process through that. So we're there to talk through that, not only to kind of deal with that emotional piece, but actually provide a plan as well to kind of reach some of these goals and, Those goals might change over time, but the important part is we're there to support this growth and to provide this non-judgmental, safe environment to talk through this that our support systems aren't always able to do because they're there trying to support us, but there's still a bias there that Mm -hmm. we can kind of be this third party and give back this objective view of the situation that is really hard to see when you're that involved emotionally in that situation. Mm -hmm. So that we kind of talk through a lot of those pieces and provide plans that you can't see a lot of times when that emotion is that intense.
0: And one thing you've told me in the past when I ask, I'm always asking you questions about conversation, but one thing you often tell me is it's not about getting them to do something. You are creating a context for a good conversation to happen. Mm-hmm. You're not trying to pull anything out of them. You're just, you're trying to create... A context for them to open up to you
1: mm-hmm. right so a lot of people would think you know what we do as coaches is like amazing and takes a lot of skill and it's magic and it, it does to some degree and yet i don't have all the answers you know i don't have this crystal ball that you know a lot of people would like to think like i just wish i could know this answer but the reality is you're an expert of your own life and your own situation interesting so what I do is I ask potent questions to pull out the answers that are hard to find on your own without you know, taking that, that deeper level of thinking about your own situation that, again, that emotional distress kind of prevents from happening. So what I do is provide that safe environment where we can talk through things. I don't have the answers. I have the questions. The yeah. clients have the answers, and they answer their own situations, but they need that environment to be able to work through that.
0: That's interesting, because with Alexa and other voice development, we're typically, for the majority of the conversation, it's critical to ask a question in order to open up the mic and pass it back. So designing, there's all this thought of how long should I be talking before I pass it back so that I don't lose the Mm -hmm. user? Um, What words should I say to prompt them to give the answer that I want them to give? Like Mm -hmm. all of these questions in conversational design, which I feel like are now becoming much more fleshed out now that artificial intelligence is here and the techies Mm -hmm. are trying to build for it. So the first question I have for you is in all of your experience with your conversations, um, there I'm sure have been some trends or some lessons that you've learned of what makes a good conversationalist. Mm -hmm. What would you say are some of those factors or characteristics that make a good conversationalist like yourself?
1: So I think when we think of conversationalist, again, we think of the active part, right? Like, what am I saying? How am I gonna come off? That's only one half of a conversation. The other half is you know, being able to actively listen.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: active listening, you know, it sounds fairly easy, but active listening is being mindful, as in being in the present moment, meaning I'm not thinking about what's happened this morning or what I have to do this evening. I'm right here and I'm listening to what you have to say. And that also means I'm not preparing for what I have to say back until it is time to speak, once I've taken in all that information. And part of being a good conversationalist is being able to be there in the moment and really see those social cues, right? What is their facial expression, what is the body language? And if you have all this noise in your head, you're gonna miss hmm. out on those little nuances that really tell hmm. you how can we you know, have this nice back and forth that flows and is going in this symbiotic direction together instead of feeling like there's an agenda or you know the conversations going someplace different every time somebody else is speaking, but really finding this this flow that you each are in, in the, with together.
0: When you're doing your coaching with relationship hero, do you typically have the visual cues?
1: And that's a fantastic question because uh, we do have the ability to do video sessions but the majority of our clients like this ability to not have to go to an office and sit down in front of somebody they like, Being able to have that that step back of I don't have to look at somebody while I'm saying this and a lot of my sessions are on the phone Mm -hmm. but also a large amount of my sessions are via chat so I don't even hear this person's voice there are no cues there and a lot of very talented psychologists social workers counselors come to relationship here and they might not be successful because that is a large piece is being able to still being a good conversationalist without using your voice or, you know, using that body language and language itself is something to be paying attention to as well. And you know, it's being able to understand where that person's at by having this kind of empathetic idea of, I know what it feels like to be here and Mm -hmm. putting yourself in their shoes and really knowing what it is that they're experiencing and what they need in that moment. Even if you can't hear or see them, because words are still very powerful. So if somebody uses, you know, I'm feeling down versus I'm feeling depressed, that gives you an intensity level. Even though I can't physically Hmm. see them, people still tend to use words intentionally.
0: Mm -hmm. And with the, the, it seems like what you're doing is very similar to how Alexa and Google process where you only get audio or you only Mm -hmm. get text, but you're not getting those Nonverbal cues mm-hmm. a lot of times now, in a phone call, you can hear a pause or you could hear their tone of voice, mm-hmm. and you can hear a lot of things that Google and amazon don't necessarily pass to us as third party developers, right. but you've also had a lot of experience in person working at different hospitals, working within schools and different classrooms you've you've had both sides of the spectrum right. of being able to see verbal and nonverbal communication as well as being limited and cutting off some of your senses to right. only have others. Mm-hmm. How big of how important do you think it is to have those nonverbal cues? How how important do you think it is to, to be able to have things besides the exact words that are being said?
1: It's a huge difference. So I find that my just even my phone sessions, I still can't see them, but being able to hear their tone, those pauses and the energy that's coming behind the words gives you so much more context and feedback and information that text just, you know, can't describe. And it's not that you can't describe it at all, but again, it's this whole other level. Like when you're in front of somebody, you can see the body language and their facial expressions and how they're saying this. But if you really listen, you can still imagine what all those things look like. So you, you get a whole new depth of information. So it's so important. And I feel like it's the difference, though, is with, in, in my field with a client, it's more of what's going to get them in the door. So mm-hmm. if they're not comfortable taking that step into the office or even using their voice to talk about their issue, that comfortability balances out maybe that depth, of the context that I'll get because they're still there and that's what's important. So that's what we provide. But when it comes to what we're speaking of about, you know, conversations and getting those cues and being able to develop it to this next level, it's it's almost essential to have some of those pieces of the, the social cues.
0: Mm-hmm. I keep thinking shifting between the human conversation and then the Alexa conversation mm-hmm. because of the work that you're doing and how you've shifted through. So I I guess my next question, you've gotten to see uh, a lot of voice technology by being my friend. Right. Um, and you've had some. I know that you have some Amazon Echo Fire TVs so mm-hmm. you can talk to your TV um do you have any other voice devices that you play with?
1: Uh, just at your house. <laughs> Only at my house,
0: yeah. Okay. In the limited view that you have with these devices so far, do you, f- and I guess in other chatbot technology and other types of conversational AI that you may have seen on different websites, how do you feel the progression of robots handling conversations is right now? In however you want to perceive that, of. Mm-hmm. How would you rate robots and their ability to have a conversation?
1: So I feel like again, when we talk about a conversation, there's these two active components to a conversation, right? There's this back and forth. And it when we say conversation in robot, it's almost this question of can you have a conversation with something that doesn't have a consciousness or this, you know, ability to intentionally give something that isn't just, you know, this input and it has an output. because mm-hmm. a conversation You know has this ability to go anywhere Hmm. and i feel like ai is more limited to just again these input outputs Mm -hmm. so when we think of a conversation i think you know it's supposed to be engaging and interactive and i think there's a limitation there when you think about the ability for ai to be flexible in the way that you know humans can be when it comes to that back and forth that a conversation Mm. involves
0: so you think there is a lack of that ability to be back and forth with a with a computer that you get with a human
1: right cuz with a human you know you never know what the answer is going to be i could have the exact same conversation 10 times with 10 different people and those are going to be 10 unique and different conversations versus with ai you know how how much is that limited to you know the what it's capable of being able to provide mm-hmm. Versus it feel like an input and output. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're thinking about the term conversation, it feels like there has to be kind of this intention behind it. And I'm I'm not sure how that translates with AI.
0: Interesting. Now, did you ever see the Tay robot released by Microsoft on Twitter? I did not. Tay was a robot released, um, I want to say it was 2017. I could be off on the year. Mm-hmm. They opened up the AI, they released it onto Twitter, and they said, here's an AI produced by Microsoft, go. And they let the, they let the AI roam free, mm-hmm. they let anybody message it, mm-hmm. and it went from having all these positive responses mm-hmm. to humans messaging it, and then all of a sudden it's saying, I hate all people, Hitler <laughs> was right, we need to kill all of the, like, a bunch of things mm-hmm. that Microsoft obviously, for political reasons, had mm-hmm. to take it down, and they right. did, and it has not come up before." That. So when when I'm hearing you say, like, there's input and output, and it's very, like, ones and zeros, mm-hmm. and you can always predict what's going on. Mm-hmm. I want to agree with you for, like, early forms of IVR back in, like, the 80s, 90s, mm-hmm. early 2000s. But I think now AI is getting to a point where the best types of it, even the developers that built it, have no idea. What's how it, how how it does what it does mm-hmm. how a robot like what's what's a good example like chess robots or or the right. go, alpha go mm-hmm. alpha go beat the best go players in the entire world in the moves that it they analyze some of these moves and they say this ai made a move no go pro or any developer could explain why mm-hmm. it made that move it the made no sense it. but because of that move that move Thirty moves later is the reason that they won. One, yeah. This move that totally blows everybody's mind and you stuff like that makes me really think um, that it's starting to get more complex. Mm-hmm. Do, do those data points change your opinion at all, or are you still pretty resolute that robots are just input output and there's there's not the complexity and, that you get with humans?
1: And I think that you know that starts to expand upon it and yet what I'm thinking about is that it still has this one goal of I'm trying to win in this case right so all of its input output is going to still be on this one goal and humans you know Hmm. work a little differently if Hmm. we don't ever center around this one goal Hmm. and I think that's also why we're not so efficient all the time is that if a human could completely dedicate all their time and energy to one goal without focusing on the other things that we need and desire, hmm. we would probably be much more successful and efficient. Interesting. But you know, the realistic ability for a human to be able to cut all of those things out is is pretty difficult. But you do see people out there who do that, right? These mm-hmm. very successful people who, you know, they might have a lot of money or have invented something. But when you look at their social lives or maybe their, you know, health those things might be lacking because of how much time and energy they dedicated to this one hmm. goal. So I think that's something else to consider too is that a robot's functioning still on how it was created and what it was for. Mm-hmm. So it has a purpose that is you know, ingrained to some degree and we're more flexible in that way. So I think that's where it gets a little tricky.
0: I think that's very intelligent. Like robots, incredibly goal-oriented. They're very good at staying focused and solving that goal no matter what, whereas humans will branch off right. and will go down different tangents. I agree with that. I agree with that. And I interesting. We didn't even talk about the fact that robots are not processing these inputs and outputs, but it seems like I, I very much value your insight as a conversational expert. It seems like your biggest point in the question, are robots good at conversation, it's that difference between humans, which have very diverse goals and there's not just one sole one and there's a lot of different inputs and outputs, whereas Mm -hmm. robots, incredibly goal-oriented, even though they might do some unexpected things, they're still trying to accomplish one single goal. Right. Moving on to the next question. Robots right now are not any good at conversation because they're entirely goal-oriented. This might not be a good question, uh, but I'll pose it to you anyways Mm -hmm. to see your response they're not good at conversation now, do you think robots will improve in their conversational capacity to be able to get on the level of humans? Or do you think that there's some fundamental difference, some foundational difference between robots and computers that will make it impossible for them to ever get on our level?
1: I think it'll come down to our perception as humans about robots and our interpretation. Because if we already have this block of, this thing isn't real, this doesn't you know think like me, there's this trust that is involved in conversation too. Like think about when you have a conversation with your boss versus your mother versus your best friend, those conversations are all going to look very different because of this level of comfortability and trust. Hmm. And it's going to be difficult to achieve this high level of conversation between humans and robots in AI if there's kind of this negative perception or this discomfort with doing that. So I think that Hmm it's not whether we can accomplish it or not, but how open are we to conversing, like actually conversing with something that we don't perceive to be conscientious of things. And I I think that if we could make a mental shift as a society or as humanity, that this would be something we'd be open to. I think we could definitely achieve that.
0: I was definitely expecting us to go down a much deeper rabbit hole of the nonverbal cues. But I really am intrigued by this differentiation that you did between the di- the randomness of humans and the goal orientation of robots. And I feel like this is this that differentiator right there is where humans are trying to figure out the true capabilities of artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. Is there a difference between our organic matter versus a silicon-based matter?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Is consciousness something that's in us somewhere, or is it just an emergent behavior which we can emulate by firing neurons within right. a computer to then still be able to have some level of randomness to be able to go down these different paths? And even that—that's one question in and of itself. And then this other question of human perception: of do we trust them? Very intriguing. Do you ever? I'll ask it do you do you think a company like relationship hero there is a place for a thing like artificial intelligence Absolutely.
1: and for I love that you, you pose that question because any company that provides you know some kind of service at this large level because we work with people all over the world we have coaches from all over the world hmm. and to be this connected without any sole base in the world the only way that we all communicate is remotely through hmm. laptops and devices and that's how we connect with our clients as well. So there are certain automated pieces of our system and we're constantly talking about how do we remain engaged and interactive with our clients where they feel connected to us. And that's another piece is that trust. These, this person's coming to an online company, it's fairly new, we're only three years old. A lot, we even have a survey in the beginning of, you know, did, how did you kind of perceive relationship hero before you signed up? 65% of people like shared some skepticism. Of our service but still paid money Hmm. so this doesn't even account for the people who decided not to move forward with it so we're constantly trying to balance how do we give you a human experience but also manage you know the needs of this huge company Mm -hmm. and we're we're always struggling with that how do we make the ai the automatic piece you know feel more personable so i feel like this is a, a beautiful kind of conversation to be having for you know a service like this because it's not just like, oh, I'm trying to purchase this item or this thing, this is coaching. You're gonna be coming and talking to somebody about some of your like, deepest, darkest secrets and the things that hurt you the most and for that to be an automated piece that doesn't feel good and we hmm. really try to reduce that while also you know, managing the company.
0: I think you're 100, I, I'm very happy that that is the energy that you put out about it because it spurred another question, well, two questions. First mm-hmm. question, have you heard of the concept of a centaur? Um, specifically in this case the origins of the term are from Greek mythology Mm -hmm. centaur is um, from the torso up human and from below the torso waist down is horse the concept was first introduced into computational sciences um, when chess started to get better and once uh, artificial intelligence was able to beat the grand chess masters there is no human on the planet that can beat an AI at chess
1: believe
0: that. MIT then did a study that showed what is better than an AI, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: a human AI centaur that works together. Right. Where the human is able to see the probabilities and the recommendations from the AI, Mm -hmm. but then the human is able to take those tactics, the ground level statistics, Mm -hmm. and can then stay high level and work as the general and control the overall strategy. Right. So I'm now wondering, do you see a potential for something like a centaur? Do you? I'm, I'll leave that open and then I'll Absolutely. fill in.
1: Absolutely. I think that that's a beautiful blend of being able to stay very logical and goal-oriented, right? Because that is so important to being able to reach these things. And yet, you know, we all know that stats alone don't paint the whole picture. It's kind of that structural foundation. But there's so many other pieces that we have to consider in decision-making and you can't do that with just numbers you have to be able to see from experience and like if it is chess who is this other opponent and how what is their style so it's being able to kind of have this experiential feeling of knowing you know what works with also having this component that can validate some of these things that you're thinking or feeling about how to go about decision making so it's it's a wonderful blend and mm-hmm. i feel like that would work for a lot, like so many different things.
0: We just had a client based out of California, Cyrano AI. Mm-hmm. They are an emotional intelligence, artificial intelligence. Okay. And the guy who started that was a hypnotherapist. Okay. And he saw that depression and suicide rates among, especially amongst younger people, is growing. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to figure out how to bring these devices into that sphere. So what we worked okay. with them on was Google Assistant, um, After you've gone to your doctor and you've been diagnosed with depression to be able to have a take-home journal where it's no robot voice. It's actually Scott, the hypnotherapist, talking Mm -hmm. to you and asking you questions like, um, how do you feel about your treatment so far? Human can then respond and everything is then taken. It's all captured and then sent via an API to their AI. Mm -hmm. The AI then returns back, okay, this is the... Accuracy of different emotions, Mm -hmm. as well as okay, they said, I don't think I'm they said I might be available on that day, Mm -hmm. but really they mean they have no intention of showing (laughs) up that day, right? And reading stuff like that. So, I'm wondering if you could use something like that where it's there's a robot that's constantly spitting out percentage accuracy of depression, percentage accuracy of happiness, percentage accuracy of this, and you've built up a profile over your multiple Mm -hmm. conversations, you get to constantly read that data while you're listening. So you're listening to both the human as well as the AI's perception of the human with its goal-oriented behavior. And you can take both of those components together to then give a more informed response to that human, to create the emotional and experiential side.
1: I love that. And I think that would be amazing for our service even Mm -hmm. Not to only you know support the client in between sessions, where you know we give them things that they can be doing, and you know to be practicing between sessions, but if you're dealing with somebody who's depressed, it's a lot to ask them to do this new thing that they might not even be completely bought into that this is going to help me or work, and to have something that's that interactive, especially with the voice of the person that they're working with, that is so motivating and encouraging in this way that can uplift anybody, but especially somebody who's dealing with something like depression, where it wouldn't be easy to kind of engage in some of these things that are going to help, because depression is always kind of there telling you these things aren't going to help. So I think anything we can do to combat that and be supportive would be incredibly helpful to the clients. And we already kind of do that in the field of social sciences, but we do it in this kind of survey-based way, right, where we're asking the client to fill out these surveys every week, every month, or at the beginning of whatever service that they're starting. So we have these kind of baseline stats. But the issue with that is it's, they're, they're self-reporting. And self-report, you know, can be accurate, a lot of times isn't. Hmm. And, you know, that, that is challenging at times because when you get this info back, sometimes it's really great and you can like build off of, you know, these stats and this factual information, but sometimes it isn't accurate. So I feel like this is kind of that objective measure of what we're attempting to achieve but in a way that we will always achieve it.
0: I very much value your insight on these conversations. Um, Mostly because you took this goal I had for the conversation and your experience shifted it in a whole other... (laughs) I, I felt like the robot having a goal and now you, have, with your experience, have totally shifted it and we have been able to shift over there. You, how long have you worked with Relationship Hero?
1: I've been there since May of 2019.
0: So, getting close to a year. Yep. Working with them, seeing a lot of people getting onboarded. You've now shifted into kind of actually helping onboard people, right? Mm-hmm.
1: So um, I do training and mentoring of new coaches that come in, and that's really exciting to be able to, you know, share the experience that not only I have with Relationship Hero, but the six years of being a, a licensed therapist and it's really neat to get to bring that to a startup company where they they hire people who might not come from this background or have this licensure, but they are willing to open this up to anybody who's willing to learn and be good at this. And it's really cool to get to have these diverse, you know, backgrounds and ideas. And again, we work with people all over the world, not only client wise, but coach wise too. So I get to train people in Mexico and India and the Philippines and it's so interesting to be able to have all these different experiences, and it enriches the client experience, too.
0: I think having a diverse team is critical, and to hear you say that you're working with people all around the world, I think that's only going to level up what you're doing. What would you say is the biggest challenge, either for you individually or a barrier relationship hero is trying to overcome? What would you say... Is that challenge either that you face on the daily basis Mm -hmm. or that relationship hero is facing growing as a startup, a three year old startup? Mm
1: -hmm. So I think that we're at this point we're expanding. So we're hiring like a new group of coaches every month. And you know, we are really working on expanding because we see like the great work that we're doing and we want to share that with more people and to get, you know, our name out there and To not only, you know, grow in this way, we're getting in more clients, but growing as a team. And, you know, one of my favorite parts of what my company does is we have something called Hero Care, where we provide services to other coaches. So, Hmm. you know, it's it's a Hmm. stressful job at times. And we, you know, just because we're coaches doesn't mean we don't have our own relationship challenges or life goal issues. And we provide that support back and forth to one another. So... It feels really good to be working for a company that, you know, not only understands what service we're providing, but we actually believe in these things and we embody it. And I feel that as an employee and I I honestly only was trying this out as a remote kind of job and I, I don't plan on leaving anytime soon. I, I wasn't sure that was going to be the case when I started. But when you can find that environment that really supports, you know, all the things you get to share with people as a therapist, it it feels really good. And it, that, that support is really hard to find
0: in a lot of companies. It sounds like Relationship Hero is built a real community. Not only you guys have that clear goal of we're here to help people externally, but a community supports its own. And then you mm-hmm. have, what what did you call it? Hero, uh, Hero Care. Hero Care, where yeah. you... Where you you're really supporting that community of, you know, you guys are out there being heroes and helping other heroes. Heroes need a back rub every once in a while. They need, exactly. they need someone to like help them de-stress. And that makes me very happy that you guys are doing that. Yeah. Shifting kind of into the outro. Um, what would you say is the best way for people listening to this? if they want to start engaging with relationship hero or if they want to start using the services or follow along with what relationship hero is doing what would you say is the best way for someone to start following along or to start connecting with relationship mm-hmm. hero
1: so even if you're not necessarily interested in you know trying our service you can still definitely check it out so relationshiphero.com has a whole blog post area where you can read that without having any account or anything And it has really nice, short, concise, but helpful blog posts on everything from, you know, dating advice to keeping your marriage interesting to dealing with breakups. So that's always available. And we also have a community Facebook page that you're welcome to join. And it's really cool to see the clients take what we've, you know, helped them gain and have skills in and share it with each other. So there's this whole community outside of us coaches that are amongst the clients who decide to participate in that and it's really cool to see, you know, some clients who start off with no skills, not sure what to do and then to almost be coaching other people that, you know, started off in that same position as them but now they're they're here and you know that just gives you this exciting hope that look this person dealt with, you know, the same challenge and look where they are now.
0: You could see a lot of people grow and break down barriers that I'm sure some of them, it's been weighing on them for years or decades.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: You not only work for a relationship here, you are also your own individual. So for people that want to connect more with you as an individual or to follow along with your story, what would you say is the best way for any of the listeners to connect with you, Sheena?
1: Um, So I have an Instagram that I use for more professional things. Um, It's just at Sheena Hansel. So it's S-H-E-E-N-A-H-A-N-S-C-E-L. Feel free to reach out to me at any time via my Instagram or you can connect with me through Relationship Hero as well. So I would be more than happy to talk to people about anything service-related or even anything that we talked about today.
0: You've provided amazing insight into conversational intelligence. A lot of the people that listen to this podcast listen on their drive to work. Do you have any final words for people that are driving, going throughout their day, anything that you can kind of send someone off with that's listening to this to kind of kick them off and have a good rest of their day?
1: So when it comes to conversations, we feel like you know it can be very reactionary, we don't have control over what's going on, but, but we do. We can go into conversations with an intention, right? So my intention with every conversation is this person is a unique person that exists here today due to billions of choices that and events that led to them being here and for us being here together. This is a unique and special moment and there's something to be gained from here and I want it to be positive on me and I want to give a positive impact. An act of listening and being present and mindful in that situation and really asking, what can I provide to this situation, to this person, to myself, opportunity-wise, and what do they have to offer me? And when you can leave the majority of your interactions feeling that way, every day is special and unique and you can grow from it, but you have to be open. And allow that to happen and really listen and be present and share yourself and be vulnerable. Vulnerable sounds scary, but sometimes it's okay to be scared and to to explore a little bit. And it, it's been an amazing journey. And I, I would love to talk more with anybody who's interested in, in taking that journey too.
0: Sheena, thank you for coming on the show and bringing mindfulness and constantly supporting me. Thank you for everything that you do and thank you for being on the show.